from radio shows past. But joining us on the line uh, first for just a second or two, uh, be, and he was, and uh, we wish he was here. He, he, something must be up because he's, uh, I guess, too busy to be here in person. But it is when you're smart. Clem Flurm, everyone. Good morning, Clem. How is everybody today? How is everybody today? Clem wants to know. Yeah. I went, you know, I went down to Boeing and sat in the alley there, and I didn't see anybody. <laughs> well, we were all here, Clem. What time were you here? No, he. You're, you're in the alley behind Boeing at the what, what oh, the flight center or Everett. Oh. No, well, never mind. Yeah, it, doesn't, right. it doesn't matter now. It's too, it's going to be too late for you. <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask you something. Uh, I heard rumors on the grapevine that you are getting involved in a new line of work or something like well, that. Well, yeah, I have a new job. I'm, I'm the vice president of marketing for a new car company. Really? A new car company? Yeah. Well, what? you know, based on the success of the Saturn Corporation, we thought we'd come up with a new planet car. Uh, what's the name of the car? It'd be Uranus. Uh-huh. You're ahead in Uranus. <laughs> and you know that, that new car smell? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uranus smells different. Oh. Okay, all right. Come stick your head in Uranus and see. Okay. And when you pull your head out of Uranus, you'll see things in a different light. <laughs> that's, quite a, that's quite an interesting marketing campaign we've got going there. You know, and we're working, we're still in development, and we're yeah. trying to come up with some model names. Hey, Clem? Yeah? Does it have four on the floor? I don't know. Yeah, well, there's automatics, too. Never really you counted. Know, the model names we probe was already taken. Okay, yeah, too bad. all right. But I was thinking, you know, the Uranus Sphinx. <laughs> so, um, as soon as we have one scheduled, I would love to invite all of you to the grand opening of Uranus. Oh, oh thank you. No, I, don't, I can't make it. Remember, Uranus is another different kind of car another different kind of car company certainly sounds like it Glenn. thank you <laughs> All right. oh my goodness about a new book. Uh, I, I kind of like a lot of these music books because uh, I'm fascinated by musicians and how they started and how they became you know, prominent and made the success of their life. And there's a book called Thanks A Lot, Mr. Kibblewhite. Mm. It's My Story by Roger Daltrey. Uh, and uh, Roger Daltrey you know, is a part of The Who since 1964. And uh, Mr. Kibblewhite well, uh, was a teacher who expelled Roger Daltrey from uh, grammar school in, in London, some school he went to. Sixty years later, that's the title of his memoir. Hmm. Uh, it's kind of a tip of the hat or arguably a middle finger. You can, you can call it whatever you want, but it, it's, it, is, it is interesting how a lot of us have mentors. And by the way, hello. Uh, Hello. A lot of us, I haven't given you a chance to talk yet, but a lot of us have these mentors in our life that we will say, they, that's the person that, that propelled me forward to whatever I've become in life. But a lot of times, it's the opposite. It's it's the naysayers. It's the, it's the, the jerks and the people who tell you you're never going to make anything of yourself that can push you forward as well. And that's, that's the way it was with Daltrey. Uh, the guy said, you're never going to become anything, you're, you're a loser, you're no good, and I'm throwing you out of school. And instead of being proved right, he was proved wrong. So the nice book is story. Called, it sounds good. Thanks a lot, Mr. Kibblewhite. Ever since I was a young boy, I played the silver ball. From Soho down to Brighton, I must have played them all. But I ain't seen nothing like him in any amusement hall. That depth of a flying kid sure plays a mean I met a really nice young man. Uh, this is about a month ago. I forgot to tell you about it, but how young? Oh, old enough for you to date? <laughs> what? What is that? I don't well, even I mean, know what, what that. Are, I don't even what, know what, what dating at, is anymore. I know. Well, at what age would you still be willing to date someone? Would Would he be 
28 years old, 8 years old, what would be? Uh, I mean, does age matter to you? Do you have to have a guy older than you? No. Well, that's then I'm getting into a whole different um, crop of potential people if I keep that rule. No, I, I don't. I, I don't really care how old he is. I don't even want to talk about my. Why are what, we even what getting? If he was why, ni- why are what we? What if he was ninety-eight? <laughs> what about a ninety-eight-year-old guy? It would all depend on his bank account. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I met this nice man uh, at a voiceover class I was teaching about a month ago, and uh, terrific talent. He just has mm. a wonderful voice. Mm. He had great range. He understood script interpretation. I had a a delightful time working with him. He's in a wheelchair. And he said, uh, because in the class, I talk a little bit about my background. And often I'll bring up the fact that I uh, worked with you for many years on Seattle radio. And, uh, you know, I bring up your name and you know, sometimes people just swoon. They they love you so You're much. You're kidding me. Not kidding. And he said to me afterwards, he said, you know, Pat Cashman and his Almost Live show was the thing that inspired me to get into um, radio and acting and voiceovers. And I completely forgot to tell you this. Oh, and that's I, a love. That's lovely. I, I said, really? I said that that is great. I will make sure I tell him. And then I completely forgot until you just brought what you just talked about. Well, uh, that just, just made my podcast. Thank you. I know. I thought that was really because you never know who who does inspire you or 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 gets you interested in in something that maybe you would not have pursued before. But he pretty much gives you all the credit for what he's doing now in in his in his life with uh yeah, that's uh, great working that's in radio neat. and voiceover so yeah so good on you that's fantastic thank you for yeah. saying that yeah uh, my head is now too big to leave this room so i'm gonna have to continue the podcast everybody the swelling around. goes down yeah. i got thanks a for story that. to tell this is the story of big head bobby he was the kid with a big old head you know, I was, we were talking about music, uh, how Roger Daltrey was inspired. On the other hand, there's uh, there's another new book out, uh, and I, I tend to go towards biographies when I'm uh, when I'm choosing a book. I rarely read fiction; it's almost always nonfiction, and it's frequently biographies. And I like biographies. And maybe this says a lot about me, but I don't want a sugar-coated biography. So rarely would I read an an, an autobiography right. because people are not going to dish on themselves that much. Right. And I want it to be really well-researched. I'm reading that book about Robin Williams right now. It, mm. It's it's uh, it's very sad, It's but it's fascinating how he, he became who he became and and yet uh, he had uh, all kinds of demons that he was wrestling with all along. And uh, I just finished reading uh, the Sally Field uh, autobiography. Yeah. In, uh, I was called... thinking of getting that for you for Christmas, but I bet you had already picked it up. Yeah, yeah it's that really good, uh, called yeah. In Pieces. And she's she's pretty open about her missteps and what she views as, as some of her failings as a mother, um, her childhood growing up with an abusive stepfather. Uh, she really hated playing the flying nun. She hated it so <laughs> much. Until one week ago, we were much like any other teaching order. That is when Sister Vetrill came to join us. Things were never quite the same after that. You see, Sister Vetrill flies. Oh, not in an airplane. She only weighs 90 pounds, and she just flies. And they wrote that show just for her after she got done with her Gidget, her, uh, Gidget right. show. And uh, so fascinating. A lot about Burt Reynolds in the uh, last third of the book. Um, that was a, a, a relationship fraught with problems. Tempestuous. Yeah. No kidding. But yeah, yeah, that was, I thought, a very well done book. So I yeah, enjoyed I'm, that I'm, one. I, I'm actually looking forward to reading that myself. 
the singing nun, the flying nun was based, I think, on the popularity at that time of the singing nun. Do you remember that? No. This is probably in the 60s. There was a, an actual nun, and I think she was in a convent in France, uh, that ha- had a hit song called Dominique. Dominique, Nica, Nica, s'en allait tout simplement, pauvre and the singer of this is actually in the Dominican order in Belgium and this song sung in French was gigantic à l'époque où Jean Santerre d'Angleterre était le roi Dominique notre père combattit les albigeois I think it was number one it's the only Belgium song ever to hit number one in the United States and that was 1963 I think it read eventually that this woman left the convent. She took up with a, another woman, a lover, and uh, and basically quit the convent. And then years later, sadly, she and her lover committed suicide together. So there's a happy ending for you. At any rate, that's why I think that Sally Field's TV show, The Flying Nun, was kind of predicated on the popularity Hmm. of that nun and nuns in general at that time. Yeah, Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, But the book I was about to bring up is called Bing Crosby Swinging on a Star, The Warriors, 1940 to 1946. And you think, oh, God. I know. Bing Crosby. That sounds boring. Yeah, it does sound boring. Uh, But uh, the... uh, if you know Crosby's story, it's it's one of those books, like I said, that I, I would kind of like to read because uh, I don't want it to be just about what a glamorous, wonder, wonderful person he was. But I like I like stuff that's warts and all. And we all have warts. Sure. So you, if you want to know about a person, you got to know the whole story. But the, the premise of this article, uh, this book, is to say that Crosby not only changed the course of American popular singing, he helped create it. Would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar And be better off than you are Or would you rather be a mule? It was he who more than any other vocalist, and that includes Sinatra, Dinah Shore, Peggy Lee, Dean Martin, he, more than all of them, freed the art form from the stiffness that had it had been and made it so he was kind of drawing on black influences and made it more jazzy he made pop sw- songs swing a little bit oh, shine, boy. you work hard all day shine, boy. got no time to play every nickel helps a lot so shine shine shoe shine boy and, and then he was the one who used that new invention called the microphone to great effect. Mm. And without him, all the, the other singers probably couldn't happen. But for all of that, his reputation has not endured very much. Uh, and, I, and I found this firsthand when I visited Gonzaga University a few years ago. Gonzaga uh, is a university over in Spokane. And last I checked, they had the number one ranked basketball team in the country. But nonetheless, it's not a very big school. Mm -hmm. But that's where Bing Crosby went to school. And he gave them a bunch of money through the years. And they had this exhibit in in the university, like just off of the lunchroom there, dedicated to Bing Crosby. They had gold records in there, the old microphones he would use, pictures of him. Uh, his Academy Award, uh, all of this stuff in there. And and so I went there to take a look at it, and I went in there, and I was in there for about an hour, and there was not one other person that went in that <laughs> little room. And I, and, wow. I, and I asked kids when I left, I said, hey, did you guys ever go in this room over here, the Bing Crosby room? They said, who's Bing Crosby? We don't even know who he is. <laughs> Nobody knows who he is anymore. And that makes me feel really old. But yeah, no kidding. But this book says he was really, really important to where music went at that time and, 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 through, and into the present, actually. But he's little remembered now. He had, uh, you know, he had, he didn't have the qualities that made Sinatra so 
seductive. He didn't have a sex appeal necessarily. No kidding. Danger and risk and all of that. Yeah. Hush, now don't you cry. Then, of course, the other part of it is in 1983, after Crosby was dead for six years, his oldest son, Gary, wrote his own book called Going My Way. And uh, in it, he portrays his dad as this monstrous disciplinarian. Mm. He got beatings. He was belittled. Uh, Gary became an alcoholic when he grew up, and two of his brothers shot themselves in the head. There was a real dark side to this guy. Then, then Bing Crosby gets remarried later, and then he's he's a different guy. He's a, he's he's re, kind of rehabilitated himself mm. a little too late for the first family that he was in charge of. I don't know. I just th- I just think he's an interesting cat. Mm. Born in Tacoma, so he's very much a Northwest guy. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't like to think about the beating. I've read a book about Bob Hope. Uh, who was just this outrageous philanderer. He was just betting down every actress in Hollywood. And his wife stood by him the whole time. So thanks for the memory of crap games on the floor. Nights in Singapore. You might have been a headache, but you never were a bore. I thank you so much. And uh, Mickey Rooney, same guy, just a scamp. Mm. We'll have Manhattan, the Bronx and Staten Island too. It's lovely going through the zoo. The, and, and so, you know, movie studios in that day, they had to work overtime to make sure the public never found out about what kind of guys these were. Yeah. The, you know, it'd be disastrous. Mickey Rooney's like Mr. All-American. He's Andy Hardy. He's this great young man. He's America. And meanwhile, he's just, he's diving on every woman that he can. Mm. And, you know, what was he married? Eight times? Something like that? Yeah. Charming. Boy, those were the good old days, weren't they? Yeah, super charming. finish up this podcast i'm going to go with my wife and we're going to pick up our new puppy oliver i'm so excited whom we've we've talked about on this podcast before and i I, and i think and i'm afraid we talk about our dogs too much oh no we don't everybody this is going to become the it's not peculiar podcast it's peculiar dog cast no that's all you guys talk about no it's it's a it's a big deal to get a new puppy and and i'm i'm I have sympathy Not for you. Not everybody would agree. I have sympathy for you, and I have um, I'm I'm excited for you because it's it's uh, it, it it'll bring you to your knees. It, it will bring oh, yeah. you to your knees. So. No, we're, we don't know. We don't know what we've gotten ourselves into. Trouble, 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 trouble. Trouble bent dog in my school. The day I was born. Hey, here's a question for you. Uh, wholly different subject. Well, I want to I want to get back to this because I want to know what kind of prep oh. prep you've done. In Andy, you're picking them up in just a couple of hours. So what what have you what's going on in your house? What have you what have you prepped I, for this puppy? I have. <laughs> I I went yesterday. I saw this at Bed Bath and Beyond, and it was a little tiny coat. For oh. a tiny puppy, and it's it's a Santa suit for oh, a dog. You are so pathetic. I know. I'm going to send a picture of it to you. And maybe I we'll remember. Post it. I remember a time when you would would mock me for dress That's so true for dressing yeah. up my dogs and getting. I remember you once said I had I bought life vests for my dogs to go swimming in Lake Washington. There's a dog park. Oh, yeah. over there that you can let them run free. Magnuson Park. Yeah, it's yeah. Magnuson Park. And 
Um, my dogs weren't terrific swimmers, and, and the big labs would splash, and they were kind of a little shy. And so I thought, well, I don't want them drowning out there. So I bought life vests for them. And you mocked me on the air and said, you know, the minute they get out of the car, the other dogs are going to beat them up <laughs> for wearing a life vest. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'm just trying to be safe. So anyway. Yeah. I remember I also mocked you uh, for... Uh, you had you somebody had given me this device that you use if you're trapped in your car i remember that you totally it, mocked me oh i did and i and i and, and you know part of the mockery of course is <laughs> is being conscious that we're doing a radio show so right. people people are more interested in conflict than they are agreement so and we had a lot of that yeah so i i mean, that's what made it that's what makes for good radio i think but but I just thought it was the dumbest thing. It was this metal, like it looked like something like a, a handgun, and it had, <laughs> as you know, it had a sharp point on it, and it was supposed to break glass. If you kept pounding on your car window, you could break glass. Of course, in the movies, the guy can kick the window out with his foot. Right. But in real life, yeah, and not it also so easy. had a, it also had a another a sharp a notched edge that you could saw through your seatbelt. Because you, if you're yes. if you're in your car and you go underwater, which how how often does that happen? So I think you might have had a right to mock me, but I just thought you know what for for nineteen bucks I think it's a good. I don't even know where it is now, but I remember every time I would see it in my car, I would think of you, and I'd say I can't wait till I have to use this just so I can show Pat. I know, I know, and and the other victory I declared for myself was years ago this shows you how far back we go i know a, a guy came on uh on on media and he said that he had invented something that was going to change the world and revolutionize mankind i remember this and you know what it was well we speculated they 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 did a great job of teasing it for a long time yes, in the media yes. and and there was so much speculation about what on earth it could be we talked about it at great length on the show and then of course the day they unveil it live newscast we kind of all looked at each other and went what 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 it was the segue the segue the segue and that was supposed the way they had built it up yes. it was like Everyone, that. everyone is going to have one of these, and it's going to change the world. Yep. And one of the things that's really exciting about this technology is that, simply put, if you can walk there, uh, this device will take you there. It will just take you there a little more efficiently, a little faster. This device is much closer to something you wear. You get on it, and you lean forward, and you go forward. You lean back, and you go back. It's as intuitive as walking. It's really an extension of your body that just gives you more power, more agility. What Henry Ford did in the last century uh, for, for rural America is what this device will do in the next century for city dwellers all over this country and all over the planet. They're, they're fine and they're interesting and I know a couple people who have them and I've ridden one before. And okay, you know, policemen sometimes use them, but uh, it was it it all fell a little short. It was like the Y two K thing. Remember mm -hmm. that was going to be just a catastrophe, right? And uh, most of the things that are significant in, in our world kind of sneak in the back door. Mm -hmm. There, if you, if there's a big buildup to something, chances are it's going to be a big letdown. Yeah, that's why uh, you never yeah. oversell anything. Yeah. Never, never ever. Okay, so back to my question. So the yes, the only yes. thing you've done to prepare for your new baby dog is to buy him a Santa suit? <laughs> no, no, that's not the only thing. <laughs> okay, what else? Uh, we've got a couple of crates that we've had for a while I, that I've resurrected from storage. Good. Sorry, this phone of mine keeps blowing off. Uh, and so I've got those ready to go because I think, and you probably believe this too that when a dog is little it should have a safe haven yes uh, a crate uh, in, and that it can feel 
that's where you that's where you sleep at night. Right. That's where you should go. And that's what I did with baby Sherman. He was the first dog that I ever um, crate trained. And he loved it. He would get in willingly because I, I, I trained him to love the crate by always giving him a treat when he went in the in the crate. That's that's the key to that. But yeah. Well, he, that's what my parents did. <laughs> and, and so my brothers and I all had crates. And, uh, and I liked it. You know, it was my own yeah. private little place. It was not very big. Yeah. And I couldn't get out. Uh, but it still, I felt safe in there. The only time, um, and it was, it's good for potty training because <clears throat> the, um, the idea is that dogs typically won't mess where they sleep. And the only time, and baby Sherman did really great. The only time that he wet his bed was it snowed the first year I got him and he was so enamored with the snow. He just, he'd go out and eat the snow instead of going potty. He would just eat it and eat it and snuffle in it. And it was midnight at one night, one night. And I said, you've got to quit eating the snow, baby. And he just kept eating it. And I put him in his crate and the next morning, his whole, all of his blankets were balled up and he was looking at me like, I wet my bed. <laughs> I felt so bad I thought that, I thought you were going to find a snowman. <laughs> Yeah, great. yeah, he's fascinated with it. Hey, if you ever get another dog, let's name the dog Baby Robert E. Lee, and let's see how Robert E. Lee and Sherman get along. That that might be interesting. <laughs> That's a good idea. Okay, so you've got the Santa suit and you've got the crates. What else? Yeah, we're also going to get a puppy Bjorn. It's on the way. <laughs> it, it, so we can walk around with him. Okay. I know it. Okay. It's, you I mean, are we're just, overdoing You are just Yeah, we're kill, overdoing You are it, just killing me. Now, we, you can get a little, because um, I've been to your house, and, and I've seen people who ride their bikes on the trail in front right, of your house. Right. And some of these people have the most adorable little um, yes. tra doggy trailers that they put their dog in or, or a bath. We'll probably do that, too. <laughs> I knew it. We're just ridiculous. <laughs> I knew it. Okay. We'll get we'll get it used. There's a good secondhand store here that always has stuff like oh that. Oh so my we'll, gosh! We'll probably so do you that. have do you have his puppy food all ready to go? Yeah, we have that. Okay. Uh, we How about have, a new uh, collar? Do you have a new little collar? Yeah, we did, we didn't want to put a collar on him at his size, so I have more of a harness that will attach, uh, you know, uh, a leash to. Okay, so he, that's a good idea. Not, nothing's pulling on his neck. That's you know, a good idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're just we're just kind of going bonkers. And then uh, Sadie, you're 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 thinking she's going to be okay with the new because it's always difficult well, that, to introduce a new pet to the household. That's what I was going to ask you. How did your dog Sherman uh, get along with your uh, existing dog? Well, is I that, I brought is that good? I brought Quince down to get Sherman and to meet him so that it was on neutral territory um, because often if you bring um, a dog into the house that that dog can feel a little threatened that the, the dog that already lives there can feel threatened so i just brought quince down to pick the puppy up had a meet they had i had a long drive home uh they were in the back seat with my dog nanny she came with me and they they had an hour to just kind of snuggle and get to know each other so yeah they were fine i wish we had that opportunity um we'll we'll, we'll see Anyway, yeah. So I'll I'll give you an update and I'll send some pictures and maybe we could post those with this yes. podcast. Yes, yeah, in the Santa suit. I can't wait. All right. So you said you had a question for me. Yes, uh, I actually have several of them, and whenever I think of these things, I write them down. So I'm looking at the notes on my phone. Have you seen a book? These are in no particular order. Have you seen a book called A Thousand Books to Read Before You Die? Mm-mm. Well, that it's it's a current bestseller. Oh. <laughs> A thousand books to read before you die, and you know that it was it was preceded by one many years ago called A Thousand Places to Visit Before You Die. Uh. This is called A Thousand Books to Read Before You Die, and I'm just thinking, I can't read a thousand books before I die. Really? I I could. I don't have that much time. If I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do. Save every day till eternity passes away just to spend them with you. Well, I read... I, if this book had come out when I was in my teens, maybe I could have pulled it off. I don't have enough time. I read now, about... Arguably, how long does it take? Because I usually can get through a book in about 
a week, maybe two weeks. Yeah, so I'm I'm that's, I'm that's averaging good. probably about thirty books a year. So thirty books a year. That's good. That's uh, very good. I don't know. I can't do the math on that. And here's the thing. You've probably read a lot of them already. So it's not like you, you don't have to read all a thousand brand well, new I books. Don't, I don't know if I've read a lot of them already. You've I'm probably sure read 900 like of them. Yeah. Well, there'll be things like Huckleberry Finn. To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird that yeah, everybody's of course. Pr- presumably. Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. But there's going to be some, there's going to be some bizarre, there's going to be some foreign titles and you know, I'm going to be dismayed by the number of books in this in this book that I've never even heard of. That's going to make me feel really stupid. <laughs> but I, I was just going to say, how can you read a thousand books unless you started at the first in the first grade when you were first able to read? Uh, well, how, how would you know that you could read a thousand books? I don't know. It's not. It's too daunting, and so I reject the title out of hand. <laughs> okay, I think that's a so, good plan. So there's that. Um, here's another stupid question, but I noticed this. Uh, there was a woman newscaster uh, who was interviewing another woman who had very short cropped hair, by the way. There's no bangs at all hanging over her forehead. But this woman with the short hair kept flipping her head throughout this interview. And I'm just thinking, and I've never seen you do it. I'm I'm just saying, what's with hair flipping? Ah. It's it's like a, it's a habit that uh, is uh, it's it becomes a tick. Yes, uh, I think I think you're right. And there, when there's no need to do it, and I and and since I've saw that, I start seeing it all the time. And it and it is generally a female thing. You don't see guys flipping their hair much, and and I'm just thinking it's an affectation that uh, the person who's doing it is not aware of anymore maybe they once had long hair and there was a reason to do it but it's almost like the hair flip is almost like it's a a punctuation let's say they've Mm. said something provocative Mm -hmm. and they flip and then they'll say something and then flip it now watch me I don't need, I don't know what more to say about it except something I've observed, and uh, and I wondered what you might think about. And that. you've never observed me flipping my hair. I I don't think you do. I'm not much of a hair flipper. I I keep my hair up. I have shoulder length or longer hair normally. And... I will flip my back hair once in a while, <laughs> but that's just me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it is annoying. The and and there's it is kind there's of two types of hair flip. First of all, there's the no hands hair flip, <clears throat> which is what I think you're talking about with this short. That's hair what I'm talking about, yeah. Woman. And then there's the yeah. um, back of the hand hair flip, where you t- uh-huh. take your hair and you flip it back behind your your shoulder. Um, both of those seem to me to be a little annoying. Because you're right. Well, if you have hair that is hanging in your eyes to that extent, uh, deal with that. You Put shouldn't it, be constantly yeah. needing to flip your hair. But when you have no obstruction <laughs> at all in your eyes, right, in your eyes sockets, and yet you're still jerking your head like that all the time, yeah, I'm just wondering what's with that. And I think it becomes a tick now, and you and they're not aware of doing. There's it. the guy hair flip, which is this is strictly a guy thing when guys dive into the pool and yeah, they, yeah. they come up and the hair is flat over their eyes and then they do that. It's a really severe head jerk and they they whip that hair off their eyes with the head with the head flip. That's that's pretty awesome, I think. There was a Seattle Mariners player. Uh well they actually had two players. Ben Gamble was the name of one of them and I forget the other guy. And he, they made a thing of that when he would steal a base, you know, you, you dive in head first, yeah, and then when he his helmet would usually fly off, and so when he arose after successfully stealing the base, he would flip his long hair back <laughs> over his head, and then they and so the broadcast would start running slow motion of that. 
It's kind of wow. sexy when a guy does. So it's kind of sexy. It's kind of sexy when a guy does it. And I don't know if men find it sexy when a woman does that. I don't know. Well, I think it, it is sexy when a woman does it, but in my opinion, but maybe it's I should kind of stupid when you do it just in conversation or yeah. There's no there's no need to do it because there's no hair in your face. I'm going to start practicing my hair flip a little more. I don't think you're ever too old to flip your hair. Well, maybe that's true. Yeah. Give me a head with hair, long, beautiful hair, shining, gleaming, screaming, flaxing, waxing. Give me down to there, and shoulder length longer. Here, baby, there, mama, everywhere, daddy, daddy. Okay, another question for you. This, uh, these are really stupid questions, but why not? <laughs> By the way, those I don't are think my I've got a... those are my favorite questions. Yeah, they're, they're just things that that I ponder when and when I observe them and I try to write them down. So here it is. Um, do you do you know people that when they laugh they go? <laughs> yeah. That snort. Uh huh. Mostly snort instead of just laugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm thinking, and that most people don't. But there's enough people that do that I thought, what if uh, an entire audience snorted instead of laughed? <laughs> I think it would sound something like this. Okay, that's my stupid thought. Well, it's because you're... you're... But it would change stand-up comedy. I mean, you, you work in a comedy club and you tell a joke and then you get that reaction. Yeah. Well, it's because you're expelling so much. I'm trying to think of the, the the pathology behind it. It's because you're expelling so much <laughs> air that when you draw, you've you've exhausted your lungs, and when you draw in the air, it kind of does a snorty thing. Um, it does. It, yeah. So I don't know how to how how to. But some people don't. When they draw in the air, they don't they don't get. But it could be something to do with the palate. How big your tonsils are? I don't know. I'm well, trying to figure out why people snort. You're thinking, I, you're thinking way harder I know, than I am. I know. Uh, mostly, this is just an observation. Yeah. And thought that I had. It's okay. not an. So, it's not an attractive laugh to have. If you, no, if you, I don't think if it you, is. If you make noise on the intake, that's bad. Make noise on the outtake. On you know what I'm saying? Outgoing, and, and, not incoming. Or the the other one is is the wheeze. You don't even actually laugh. I laugh. know. You, you go. <laughs> I know. I was listening to Dory Monson on on Cairo Radio yesterday, and when he laughs, he's a wheezer. Oh, he is. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. There was a famous cartoon character that was a wheezer. Yeah. Who was that? Yeah. Uh, th this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of evil. It, it, it's kind of evil. It used to make me laugh all the time. It's so it's so silly. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going through my notes here. Uh, all right. Here we go. Um, and I'm going to finish with a joke, which I haven't really figured out yet. So I got a lot of pressure that is in the back of my mind. We had these friends, and I'll give them a fake name. Let's call them the Rasmussens. That's a this, okay. This guy is my best friend. I've known him since um, junior high. I know. I just love him. I know He's who you're friend. talking about. You do know. Okay. So um, when he and his wife watch TV, and we, we would go to their house and, we, you know, they turn the TV on, this is what they would do. And, and it's it's not, they're not watching the news. These are fictional shows. Okay. They're, they could be detective shows. Uh, adventures, westerns, whatever, and this is the kind. <laughs> this is what the they have to give commentary through the whole thing. Oh boy! And this is what there's. This is what the I, I'm. I'm going to try to create it for you. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll put some uh, some TV audio on here. Okay. And then this is what they would say. Nice going, driver. Just in time for the flight to Texarock. Come on, Wilma. Step on it, Rubbles. Isn't it exciting, Pebbles? 
You're going to visit Uncle Tex on his ranch. No way. That couldn't, that, he couldn't do that. Tex! <laughs> Uncle Tex. Oh, he love her. Nobody can jump that far. You know, it'd be, it's all this stuff. They got to comment on everything. And it's a, it's a, like a science fiction show. It's all made up anyway. <laughs> now stop it, Barney. Just be thankful we were invited along with Fred and Wilma. They're viewing it as if it's reality. That just killed us. Oh, okay, Bam Bam. Th that's enough. Drop it. And that's the way they would watch TV. Oh, my gosh. It, they'd be complete fiction programs uh, that they would decide somehow to uh, critically watch as if it was reality that they were watching. And they would get argumentative about it sometimes. And it just made us laugh. But we never... I still don't see how we all got in that little taxi. Well, it uh, just shows you the power of positive shrinking. <laughs> I mean, it's like those friends I talked about a couple podcasts ago that never have the sound up loud enough that you can hear it. Oh. <laughs> uh, this just became more of a of a distraction than what was actually on the TV. Yeah. Those people tend to go to the movies sometimes, too. Not your friends, but those people that comment on everything. My, my, the, yeah. the, the one that annoys me are the people who try to guess what the line is going to be coming up they'll know. you know the the uh the lead of the movie will say something provocative there will be a pause and then somebody will say blah, blah, blah. like like they'll reply what they think should be replied back to it's just oh it's and if they, so and annoying if they get it right if they get it right then they keep going they feel really good about right, themselves. Right, exactly. Like, I could be a screenwriter. Right, Ooh, exactly. Know, I can write better than right. that guy. Yeah. All right, one final question. Again, this is prompted by watching a TV show. Uh, the, uh, uh, well, it doesn't matter what TV show, but it, the character in the show uh, is giving a presentation in front of the company that he is really hoping to get a big promotion from. And then they've got clients in the room, and it's, and he's really wound up, and it's going to be. And then uh, at some point he realizes, I don't want to do this. I, I, this is not the job I want. I don't want to do this. And he says, "Sorry, everybody, I quit." And he walks out of the room. Mm -hmm. And uh, you see this in movies and TV all the time. Yeah. And it, and I was wondering if you ever just quit a job. I was so I was talking to my wife, and she said, "Yeah, I uh, I was working for a uh, eye doctor, and uh, he uh, he was just he'd been hitting on me mm. just when she was young. Mm -hmm. And at one and at one point, she she just got up and she said goodbye and left and never came back. <laughs> oh. And I thought. And how many people have the temerity to do that? Yeah, that's a brave move. And I thought, man, I don't know if I could do that. And then I remembered, yeah, you did do that, Pat. You did do that one time. I was working in this trailer factory, and I was not liking this job one bit. I hated it, and I was incompetent, and I and I just thought it's a matter of time until they fire me. So when I would get off work, I started working uh, to find another job, and I got one. It was a job I had in the summertime working uh, for a logging company. As soon as I secured that job, I uh, I came back to work at the the trailer factory, and then in middle of the day, I said, I'm out of here. Goodbye. And I walked out. And I could, I could have just re called up and said, you know what, I found another job. Thank you very much. And yeah. Goodbye. But I didn't. I wanted to just... Uh, it it was a terrible environment. The people were not good. Uh, it was the management was horrendous. So I thought I want to make make a statement. And so I, I went back there just long enough to quit and walk off the job. I knew I wouldn't get paid for that, yeah. that day, but I didn't care. I've I've always you ever been just quit a job, the... just walked away from one like that. Take this job and shove it. I ain't worried. Take this.
I've I've never I've never been a bridge burner on purpose. Um, I'm sure I've burned a lot of bridges inadvertently, but I've always respectfully resigned with a with a letter and whatever else. But which is I, the I right thing to I, do, by the way? I think I've I've only I've been fired way more than I've ever resigned from a job. Um, so most of the jobs that I've I've left have been because of somebody else's decision, yeah. <laughs> not mine. Well, it's funny you'd say that because I worked, uh, I mean, I worked since I was a teenager and I never got fired, never got fired. It's only when I got, I was in my 40s and, and it was radio where I got fired. It's the first time I got fired and uh, it was an experience I'd never had before. And I think getting fired is something you should experience early yeah. and, and off and off I got frankly. fired I got fired a couple of times I I always thought I was a pretty good waitress but I got fired twice being huh. a waitress so maybe I wasn't as good a waitress <laughs> as I thought but <laughs> I always thought I was a pretty good waitress but yeah I got fired so yeah I already had that the uh experience of being fired long before I joined up with you and then got fired a million it, it times never, it, it always hurts you know it's a rejection even if they yeah. tell you you know, we're just cutting. We're cutting for economic reasons, or you know, we're we're, right. we're going in a different format, direction, or whatever. And yeah, it still feels like that you're not valuable enough to be kept. You're around, not smart so, enough to be able yeah. to adapt to a different format or a different set of circumstances or whatever. Yeah, it it's bruising. I once got fired. I once got fired and was told that nobody likes you. Nobody around here likes you anyway. I'm oh not. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm Why did they kidding. have to add that? And, Jeez. And that this this was in radio, oh, geez, by the way. Terrible. I'm not even going to mention the station or what the circumstances were, but uh, yeah, the general manager said nobody likes you around here oh, anyway. My God. That's, that I that's cruel. that I think that I think stung more than just losing oh, my yeah, job. I was for like, sure. What? I'm like, what? Really? I but which, which kind God, of brings me back okay. full circle to the Roger Daltrey story of uh, you know being told that you're never going to make anything and nobody likes you and you're not a, mm -hmm. and then that, that can that can either just break you or it can resolve you can build a resolve in you to say yeah well I'm going to show you yeah. yeah well I didn't care enough about him to to even waste any energy on. Um, arguing the point or sh or proving him otherwise, it was such a ridiculous thing to say. It might have been that's true. Very, that is still. a very poor uh, boss, by the way. That's very poor management. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't say that. Yeah. And you he, know what? You arguably could have, you know, had some legal recourse too for something like that. But at at some uh, point, you decide, ah, what's the what's the point? It's like, yeah. I, I, I've often said, and I said this one time. On the radio, when somebody was interviewing me, I said that it was the job I had just lost with you. And I said, you know what? I yeah. wish I had fought for that job. I'm in hindsight, after all these years, I'm disappointed mm. I didn't stand up and fight for my job instead mm, of just saying, eh, okay, see you later. And I never argued with with the the decision to be fired or anything. I was always very amiable. Okay, well, thanks for everything. I yeah, and so that that's why yeah. I was one of those people that when I was fired, uh, they said, you know, you you'll be gone in two weeks. They still kept me on the air because they knew they right. knew I wasn't going to be one of those guys that was going to go off the rails and berate the management and start cursing and or all that stuff. Um, yeah, not not typical yeah. for a radio. Usually, when um, you're gone, you're gone right then because they don't want. Right then. No, they don't want to give you a microphone. Well, thank okay. you. Uh, it's time for the closing joke. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, are you? You said you weren't even. I think prepared. I've got one here. What are? I think oh, I've got one that okay. I think will work out. <laughs> okay. A grain salesman is driving to his next appointment when he looks out his car window and he sees, to his astonishment, a three-legged chicken running parallel to his car. Now he's driving about forty miles an hour, Lisa Foster, but somehow the chicken mm. is keeping up. When the salesman speeds to 50, the chicken speeds up to 50. The amazed salesman starts going 60, but there's the chicken still right beside him, not even breathing hard. So the salesman's about to speed up yet again when the chicken suddenly takes off and disappears in a cloud of dust. The astonished salesman immediately slows down and pulls over to the side, and he finds a farmer. And the farmer says, uh, I mean, he says to the farmer, excuse me, sir, you're not going to believe what happened to me just a moment ago. I was doing 60 on this road and a three-legged chicken passed me like I was standing still. Chicken, the, the farmer says, oh, yep, I know all about that. You see, uh, that chicken belongs to me. Oh, he does. Uh -huh. And you see, there's three of us, myself, my wife, and uh, my son, little Davy. And whenever Louise serves chicken for dinner, we all want a drumstick. So the only solution we could think of was, let's start raising us some three-legged chickens. I said, wow, that's remarkable. <laughs> How do they taste? Well, we don't know because we've never been able to catch one. Say, everyone's talking about chicken. Chicken's a popular word. But anywhere you go, you're bound to find a chicken ain't nothing but a bird. for listening to Peculiar Podcast. Hey, goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at PeculiarPodcast.com. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your 